I'm Tara Lake, and this is The Tara Lake Show. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's edition of The Tara Lake Show. When I returned for this eight-episode season, I promised solo projects, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to kick off this series on Francis E.W. Harper, poet, author, orator, and visionary of the 19th century, who lived from 1825 to 1911. Francis E.W. Harper was a trailblazer in the anti-slavery movement and in the civil rights and social justice movements for African Americans and women in the United States, distinguishing herself in the temperance, African American suffrage, and women's suffrage movements. But Harper's work as an author and poet has made her a luminary in American literary history especially among those connoisseurs of 19th century and African-American literature. Here's a little background on why I think it's important to share this series now. The sometimes overlooked contributions of African-American women's activism is one reason I wanted to kick off this season with a nod to the work for justice and visibility that African-American women have continued unabated for four centuries. This work has not just been in the large, historically noted efforts of these women and their daughters, but in the daily, often overlooked efforts of African-American women to maintain the dignity and safety of their families and communities, and to establish true and lasting justice in the United States. In recent years, there has been a movement among creatives and activists to highlight the voices of African-American women who have led justice efforts in the United States. From Kimberly Crenshaw's Say Her Name hashtag to the Believe Black Woman movement, we're being challenged to resist the silencing of African-American women's experiences and contributions. A powerful example of such work is the recent release of a beautiful imaginative documentary film by Sophia Nahil Allison called Eyes on the Prize, Hallowed Ground, which celebrates and reconsiders Henry Hampton's classic 14-hour docuseries, Eyes on the Prize. Eyes on the Prize aired on public television in 1987 and 1990, It chronicles the history of the civil rights movement. In July 2021, the first six episodes of the Emmy and Peabody Award-winning original series were released for streaming on HBO Max. Making use of Hampton's extensive archives and infusing poetry and creative performance, Allison's film expands upon the perspective of the original docuseries. Eyes on the Prize, Hallowed Ground, reverentially foregrounds the voices of African-American women in the civil rights movement to great effect. The documentary is currently being featured on the HBO Max YouTube channel and is linked in the show notes. Listeners will remember last week's episode on T.D. Anderson's Pieta, Woman Behold Your Son, Behold Your Mother which presents artistically rendered images of Mamie Till Mobley in the grief of losing her son, Emmett Till, to a horrific lynching in 1955. Though Mobley became an icon and mother of the movement, her voice is often not the one presented in discussions of the meaning of her son's martyrdom today. 
Mobley's voice was the powerful central and guiding force in bringing her son, Emmett Till's murder, to the forefront of the national consciousness in the wake of his death. But in the decades following Till's murder, male voices have frequently served as the sole narrators of those tragic events in Money, Mississippi, and of the meaning of Till's legacy. Eyes on the Prize, Hallowed Ground, restores women's voices to the forefront in the recounting of the harrowing injustice of the murder of African-American men who became icons of the movement. In this clip from the film, the first voice you hear is that of Rosa Parks, recorded in the 1980s, 30 years after she rose to prominence for her role in galvanizing the Montgomery bus boycott. The second voice is that of Mamie Till Mobley, recorded three decades earlier during her crusade for justice. The murder of uh, Emmett Till, I believe he was about 14 years old, who was visiting his relatives. His home was in Chicago, and the news came that he had been brutally murdered and put into the river. His body was removed from the river after it had been weighted down, and he was so badly mutilated he was unrecognizable. I believe that the whole United States is mourning with me. For him to have died a hero would mean more to me than for him just to have died. And I hope that his death will certainly start a movement in these United States to clean up our own back alleys. Already a seasoned civil rights activist, Parks was deeply invested in the movement for justice for Emmett Till. Mrs. Parks attended a mass meeting addressing Till's case in November 1955, five months after Till's murder and less than a week before her arrest for refusing to vacate her seat for a white passenger on a public bus in Montgomery, Alabama. In this clip, Parks described how Till's martyrdom impacted her personally. Just like any uh, person murdered, I couldn't be any uh, way than very upset, very devastated by the fact that in the United States of America that a child could be just taken out and killed. Parks was famously one of many African Americans who refused to let Till's death be in vain. Clearly, the voices of African American women are vital as leaders and griots of African American justice movements. And that brings us to the work of Frances E. W. Harper, who blazed trails and helped to lay the foundation for an entire legacy of women who have taken up the charge. My three-part documentary-style series on Frances E. W. Harper includes takes on her poetry, her fiction, and her oratory, highlighting the ways in which Harper's writings interrogated the realities of American inequality in the second half of the 1800s, and also foreshadowed the struggles with injustice that have persisted for more than 100 years since. When I chose to do a series of projects on the work of Frances E. W. Harper here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where I'm based, I did so largely because Harper's work had so impacted me when I encountered her as a student and later as an educator. 
but also because many Philadelphians I encountered had not heard of Harper or her work as an author, national speaker, and advocate. Some weren't aware of the historic marker of her home on Bainbridge Street in South Philadelphia, where Harper lived and worked for decades until her death in 1911. My hope was to introduce Harper's work to a new generation of audiences, both in the city of Philadelphia and beyond. My hope was also to share a bit of Harper's own voice and the meaning it had in her work. And that hope fuels my excitement today in sharing this project with you. And now to kick off the series, I'll share a take on the poetry of the legendary Francis E.W. Harper. Francis E.W. Harper was an African-American poet, abolitionist, orator, educator, woman's rights advocate, and novelist, and a vital figure in Philadelphia history. Born in 1825 in Baltimore, Maryland, to free parents, Frances Ellen Watkins was born free in a slavery-bound state, but was orphaned by age three. She was raised by an aunt and uncle who were prominent abolitionists and leaders in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. By age 20, the young writer had published her first book of poetry, making her one of a small handful of African-American women ever published up to that time in the United States. By the 1850s, Watkins had become a notable figure in Philadelphia public life and progressive activism. She married Fenton Harper in 1860 and resettled in Philadelphia after his death in 1864. Watkins Harper remained in Philadelphia until her death on February 22, 1911. Following the Civil War, on a tour of the South, Watkins Harper met a number of newly freed African Americans, learning about their struggles and hopes and collecting their experiences, including the sexual exploitation and psychological terrorism inherent in the slavery system. Published in 1872 during the Reconstruction Era, Harper's Sketches of Southern Life introduced readers to Aunt Chloe, an amalgam of Southern elder freedwomen who doled out wisdom and recalled the evils she had experienced in slavery. From that collection, here is one of the best-known Aunt Chloe poems, Learning to Read. Very soon the Yankee teachers came down and set up school. But oh, how the Rebs did hate it. It was again their rule. Our masters always tried to hide book learning from our eyes. Knowledge didn't agree with slavery. T'would make us all too wise. But some of us would try to steal a little from the book and put the words together and learn by hook or crook. I remember Uncle Caldwell who took pot liquor fat and greased the pages of his book and hid it in his hat. And had his master ever seen the leaves upon his head, He'd have thought them greasy papers, but nothing to be read. And there was Mr. Turner's Ben who heard the children spell and picked the words right up by heart and learned to read them well. Well, the Northern folks kept sending the Yankee teachers down and they stood right up and helped us. The Rebs did sneer and frown and I longed to read my Bible for precious words, it said. But when I begun to learn it, folks just shook their heads and said, there is no use trying. Oh, Chloe, you're too late. 
but as I was rising 60, I had no time to wait. So I got a pair of glasses and straight to work I went and never stopped till I could read the hymns and testament. Then I got a little cabin, a place to call my own, and I felt independent as the queen upon her throne. Watkins Harper's work as an abolitionist, prohibitionist, and women's suffrage activist took her on lecture tours across the nation. But it was here, in Philadelphia, that Harper refused to give up her seat to ride in the colored section of a segregated Philadelphia trolley car in 1858, causing a scandal. Months later, the resolute Watkins published her poem, Bury Me in a Free Land, in the anti-slavery bugle. Here is Frances E.W. Harper's Bury Me in a Free Land. Make me a grave where'er you will, in a lowly plain or a lofty hill. Make it among earth's humblest graves, but not in a land where men are slaves. I could not rest if around my grave I heard the steps of a trembling slave. His shadow above my silent tomb would make it a place of fearful gloom. I could not rest if I heard the tread of a coffle gang to the shambles led, and the mother's shriek of wild despair rise like a curse on the trembling air. I could not sleep if I saw the lash drinking her blood at each fearful gash, and I saw her babes torn from her breast like trembling doves from their parent nest. I'd shudder and start if I heard the bay of bloodhounds seizing their human prey, and I heard the captive plead in vain as they bound afresh his galling chain. If I saw young girls from their mother's arms bartered and sold for their youthful charms, my eye would flash with a mournful flame, my death-paled cheek grow red with shame. I would sleep, dear friends, where bloated might can rob no man of his dearest right. My rest shall be calm in any grave, where none can call his brother a slave. I ask no monument, proud and high, to arrest the gaze of passers-by. All that my yearning spirit craves is bury me not in a land of slaves. I'm so grateful for your tuning in to this week's introduction and first installment on the Francis E.W. Harper series. I hope you'll join me for the next two episodes, both solo projects in celebration of Harper's work, part of a spotlight on the work of inspiring women during this eight-episode season. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Please reach out at taralakeshow.com. That's taralakeshow.com. I'm your host, Tara Lake. Thank you so much for listening to The Tara Lake Show.